a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. This week, gods and goddesses, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Jojo Seabacher. She is an energy master. Uh, she's been a human rights advocate and activist for over 35 years in trauma and abuse, including domestic violence. Uh, she teaches people how to transform their entire lives from traumatized to triumphant, from broken to brilliant, from rags to riches, from fearful to motherfucking fierce. She is the spiritual badass on YouTube. You guys definitely check her videos out. We have an awesome discussion today about astrology, mysticism. She talks about her five NDEs that she's had, or five near-death experiences. Uh, it's it's awesome. We have an awesome conversation. She is an absolute delight to talk to. You guys will love her videos. Definitely check her out on the YouTube there. And uh, here she is. Well, today on the show, we have Jojo Seabacher. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you, you spiritual badass. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to meet you face-to-face. I know, it is. Yes, we've been corresponding a little bit through the Messenger app there, and uh, just really looking forward to speaking with you. You've got a phenomenal story. You currently do some incredible things. You have a wonderful YouTube channel that I highly encourage everybody to check out. I will be linking that in the show notes for folks just to click right on down under the episode here, and you can go straight to it. i really looking forward to our conversation today. Can't thank you enough for your time. So, uh, it doesn't look like your usual background. Where are, you, where are we doing this from for you? I'm in Lilydale, New York. It's the home of the most famous psychics and mediums of the world. And um, filming in a, in a hotel room right now. Awesome. Is it a nice one? Did they set you up right? Oh, yeah. I'm in a beautiful hotel room. I'm here till tomorrow. And uh, then I'm going to head back home. I was going to stay an extra day, but it's a little too electric here. Really electric in this area right now. I think I'm right on a ley line. Oh, wow. Uh, so why, what do you mean by electric? How's, how is that? Um, well, you know, for me, because I'm a super psychic, I'm a trained psychic called the psychic puller. I pull in negative energy, secrets, and lies of people. So when I go into a ley line area, I just look at my hair is even standing up. Can you see my goosebumps? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's very magnetic and electric, and and it's almost like you're in a vortex, oh, so cool. to speak. Yeah, so it's just a real intense energy. Yeah. That you're yeah. able to perceive on a different level, probably, and probably some people can perceive that, but not as, not as uh, probably intensely as you do, because you are, like you said, a, a, a spiritual badass. You've got it all covered. Super sensitive. Yes. Very sensitive energy. I've been seeing energy since I've been a three-year-old, so. Jesus. Well, we are definitely going to get into your background. I, I want to know just everything about you, and I know my audience is excited to hear about you. I've been uh, talking to a few of my friends about you. They've all looked up your videos. They're all like, when are you going to talk to JoJo? I'm like, it's coming up. It's coming up. So this has been one that people have been waiting for, so I'm excited to speak with you. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you. 
All right. Well, why don't you uh, tell our, tell my audience here a little bit about yourself. Like I said, very excited to speak with you today. So just in your own words, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm an energy master, and I teach people how to transform their entire lives from traumatized to triumphant, broken to brilliant, rags to riches, and fearful to motherfucking fears. <laughs> I've lived an extraordinary life, Brandon. I've lived an extraordinary life of trauma and abuse, unfortunately. And um, I've been abused for being abused. I've been silenced for being abused, for trying to speak about it. And I've been a human rights advocate studying human behavior for the last 35 plus years. So incredible and it trauma does it's it's that thing about life you know what do the buddhists say about suffering and that it's what life is and it kind of you know uh, you could tell the true mark of somebody who's been through something remarkable um is a remarkable individual that's your mark uh you can tell that you've been through a lot uh you can tell that you have uh suffered some trauma and i hate to hear that especially uh, i know it probably went back uh for a long time there for you but uh, today, though, I want to show everybody who you are because you do some incredible stuff. Like I said, your videos are fantastic. Please check out our YouTube channel, The Spiritual Badass, of course. Uh, and just, I, confessingly, uh, I am very, very curious about astrology, about everything going on right now with, uh, especially this is a big time to have this conversation. We're balls deep in the middle of Mercury being in retrograde, which I know very little about. I know its effects, but I don't know why it does that. So I want to ask you about that as well as uh, tarot, astrology. I just know nothing about it, uh, and I'm extremely curious about it. And I knew that I had to go to the, the expert, the one to talk to about this. So uh, let's, let's break this down a little bit. So tell me about um, astrology. How did you get into that? What, what's, uh, what started you there? Well, I had three near-death experiences from a, a violent relationship back in 2018. And on October 11th, I vowed that I was going to prove everybody wrong, what they were accusing me of. It started out for all the wrong reasons. I've following astrology since 2011 with my astrologer, the Leo King, and I decided to commit myself to learning astrology. And what, it, what had happened was it fit so well with the human behavior and communicative skills that I teach um, and it helped me to understand my own life and my own struggles a whole lot better and heal a whole lot more than being kind of stuck on that hamster wheel of everything I've tried in the last, you know, 40 something years of healing trauma. Um, so it was kind of like the icing on the cake that made the most sense. And I began studying it and taking classes in 2019. And was preparing. I knew a plague was coming. And uh, so I vowed to start learning it. And by 2020, we had the most extraordinary astrology that no one had seen on the planet. So it was like a hell of a year to even attempt to learn it. And I call myself a faux astrologer. All right. That's a faux astrologer? <laughs> like a fake astrologer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to make up words. I study etymology. I love all the esoteric sciences like etymology. Uh, gematria, numerology, tarot, astrology, and hermetics, and, and all that. So it was just kind of like um, it was meant to be. And it aids me so well to understand human behavior a whole lot more, to understand the behavior of society, the patterns in current events, um, and being able to predict future events based on past historical events. So you can calculate now how the collective is going to behave. And even think. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of people and, and there's some um, naysayers out there, which I'm not one of. Um, I don't feel like I have the right to do that. And that's fine if people want to believe the way that they believe. But on this show, Expanding Reality, we like to tell folks about all kinds of cool stuff uh, that they can um, engage in, in in a new thought experiment with and just explore a little bit. So what's interesting, though, is all all the naysayers of this kind of stuff, you know, there, there's a saying that and I'm sure you've heard this before, but that um, millionaires um, believe in astronomy, billionaires believe in astrology. And so billionaires, people that are making that money and make moves on specific times, they think it's legit. So, you know, to all the naysayers out there, you don't have to defend the the title. I just think that it's an interesting correlation between the fact that the people who are the ultra, ultra rich, um, not even super rich, just ultra, ultra rich, unfathomably wealthy, those people subscribe to what you do as far as astrology. And if they're interested in it, there's got to be something to it. And I also think that uh, you handling it, you handling your trauma in the way that you did, you could have done that in any kind of other destructive methods, uh, as far as alcohol, as far as drugs, things like that. You went about more of a spiritual path. And I find that fascinating. I find that very interesting. And I think that's wonderful. We can go a step further with astrology. So every single president in office since the beginning, till now, they all have personal astrology. Really? All of them. Yes, as, as well as astrology is as old as astronomy. It's the oldest science on the planet. And um, weathermen use it, billionaires use it, um, presidents use it. Uh, and it's, um, it's a fascinating historians use it. So it can actually tell us of our history. Planets run in cycles. And just like Mother Nature, right? We've got four seasons. We've got the way the moon waxes and wanes. They all run in cycles and orbits in certain numbers of days. And, and they all have different parties and, and energetics to it. And each planet um, will represent of the body, um, cell salts in your body. There's something called astrotheology. And astrotheology it's found in the Bible. It's found in your human physiology. So astrology is really the oldest science, and it's hand-in-hand with astronomy. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the Bible as well, because some folks say that all, it, it, all the Bible is is a big astronomical uh, metaphor. Um, for like the birth of Christ, the death after three days, which is really the sun. And uh, people break down those uh, kind of concepts, and I find them fascinating. It's very compelling. Um, especially yeah. when the Magi or the three wise men, those were magic practicing practitioners. They were the founders of it, right? That, that kind of a, of a study. Uh, so I, I think all of it ties in. I can't wait to dive into this stuff with you. So what is the deal with Mercury in retrograde? You hear everybody say it. Uh, I have found myself, now that I'm aware of it, it may have affected me before and it was just something I didn't know. But now that I know it, I, I know when it comes up. And it's funny too, because my wife will kind of give me a buffer. If uh, some stuff starts happening or whatever, she, she won't tell me right away until I ask. And I, I don't usually look this thing up. So I'll go, damn it, is Mercury in retrograde? She's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, see, I knew it, you know, because like electronics don't work. Uh, communication is off. And we are very uh, communicative, my wife and I. And whenever we get into Mercury in retrograde, we'll just go, hang on. It's just Mercury in retrograde. And it's, it's become kind of this silly thing. Uh, but what, what is that all about? Why, why is it the way that it is? Uh. You know, it's an overblown um, thing because all of the planets retrograde, not just Mercury. All of them do. And uh, they all represent a certain 
part of the individual. So Mercury runs your speech, communication, electronics, travel, um, collaboration, and a retrograde, an RE retrograde asks you to rewind, to reevaluate, reanalyze, reassess, uh, restructure. So you can kind of, um, you know, step back and, and re replan to grow further, to become better communicatively or, um, uh, you know, with new plans, new travel, new things like that. It's not just Mercury, though. Mercury retrogrades about three times a year for three weeks or so. And Mercury has a pretty fast rotation, 88 days around the sun. So it retrogrades about three times a year for about three weeks. And it can cause mayhem depending on what other aspects are transiting. And we got some massive ones right now and massive ones from 2020. So it is this dance. So everything affects everything else. So how did how did we figure this out as human beings? You hire an astrologer and you work with them consistently because we can help you get the right business name, launch the right date, invest the right time, not put your material out certain days. Mm. So you work with a mentor. Work with a mentor. Okay. And they <laughs> and people can contact you directly for that. You do you do that's what you do. Uh, and you do it well. So what, uh, how did humanity, uh, as early civilization, figure this out? How has this information gone about? Um, well, the ancients, the Sumerians, the Mayans, the Egyptians, you know, it's been, been passed down through culture to culture, uh, right through, you know, the Pythagoras, Greek, Roman days, and then into the Western world. Uh, we, we have the Vedics over in India, the Asian astrology or Chinese astrology. And by the way, we just started the Chinese New Year on the 11th, on February 11th. So, you know, there's cultures all over the world that have been using astrology for thousands of years. See, exactly. And it's, it's that type of concept. And it's, it's these old, old, ancient, I mean, type of understandings that I think that we're need, not only have lost, but we need. There are some a few folks out there like yourself still practicing and still bringing light and awareness to these types of subjects and their importance and, and their validity. I mean, there are, like I said, billionaires use this. And like you said, all the presidents use astrologer. I didn't know that. And there are specific times to do specific things. It, it'd be kind of hard to tell your boss, look, I can't, um, you know, do this big presentation because my moon is in this house. And for three days, I can't do that. Or you're not going to get the best work ethic out of me. Uh, but it, it, that may have something to do with it, right? Right. I mean, but you can utilize the energy. So let's say it's not a good day to communicate, but you have a presentation to make. So knowing that, you would just be more uh, available, more ready, more prepared to give that presentation and uh, work on certain points that the energy would be telling you to work on. Or, or stay away from. So maybe that person would want to reorganize their presentation and it could take off beautifully, even in a, a, a day that's not necessarily great. But that's actually called electional astrology. And I'm not, um, I'm still learning it, okay? I'm just a faux astrologer. So I might not be able to answer a lot of these questions, but I'll try as best as I can. Like I said, you know way more than me. Uh, and so it, it's just a curiosity that I've got on a few specific things. And basically uh, with with that type of so what I'm hearing is with astrology, basically, it's understanding to be able to 
know it's almost like a precognition it's it's you'll know what's going to occur what things to focus on what to stay away from how to be aware of the energies around you and what the planets are doing and the moons are doing uh, to make better decisions. Now, um, let me ask you this. So it has a lot to do with moons as well, correct? The cycles of the moon are, are very important because it's, it's, the moon changes signs about every three days. So um, each of these 12 signs, 12 apostles, represents a certain kind of energy, a certain kind of characteristic, behavior, thinking, um, action, so, so on and so forth. Um, the ancients used to call astrology um, like the knowledge to unlock the keys to being trapped in the matrix. So um, astrology is all about using energy, using keys or keys, or C-H-I or K-I, keys. And key is also another name for earth. And um, uh, it's, it's like a language of the stars. And it's like a tool. It, it helps you um, understand the blueprint of how you're made, how you, are, how you think, what kind of experiences you're going to have, what kind of parents you're going to have, when, you know, when you're going to get married, are you going to stay married? Um, it tells you so much. It, it, just, it will be the keys to unlock your energy centers to have a more destined, fulfilling life and to be able to also handle chaos and struggles a whole lot easier so kind of like a roadmap to your life that's awesome this stuff is so cool i love this so what is the deal with tarot what is what is that tell me about some tarot um tarot is an ancient tool that's used to explain the progression of man and his journey from birth to death and the cycle that is what's called an Ouroboros, uh, a, a circular cycle. So it goes in cycles, just like the planets, just like the seasons, just like nature, and your journey as a human being from death to rebirth, back to death, back to rebirth. And it's, it's just like a, a, a cyclic or cyclic kind of journey. So you have, um, you know, beginnings of careers and endings of careers, beginnings of relationships, endings of relationships. So it just goes in the same circular manner of death and rebirth. So um, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can still be reborn as the fool card. The fool is the zero. So it's like the infant. You're, you're back to infant stage. What do you do as an infant? You're learning a new progression, a new cycle. And the 22 arcanum teach you about each um, level of that cycle or circle. And the minor arcanum are all like the little details in between. All the little secrets, all the little joys, all the little people you're going to meet on the way, um, your deepest, darkest fears. Um, it's, it's really all about ad advising and counseling. A true tarot reader is um, somebody that counsels along with the read reads and counsels at the same time so we don't want to keep people in perpetual vulnerability or perpetual trauma and uh, we're, we're here to teach you how to get out of your quandary in fact the 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 client is called a query the query asking a quandary question a confusion in your life so we want to teach you how to get out of the out of the quandary out of the confusion 
And a lot of people do manipulate it. Absolutely. They take advantage of vulnerable people, especially with love, love reading. Yeah. And there's, I mean, to just say it bluntly, there's assholes in every field, right? And there's people who don't do it for altruistic means. And there's people out there just looking to not only make a buck, but to steer people wrong with either false information or misinformation. It's kind of like, and uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. It's kind of like doctors, right? They don't want to cure you. They want to treat you because they make more money off the treatment, not the cure. If they fix you, yeah. then you don't go back to them to pay them more money. Not all doctors are like that, of course. And of course, like in, a, in astrology, you're not like that either. So um, it, it almost sounds like tarot uh, is a way uh, to, does it reveal what's going on with you? And then it, you basically are given a roadmap to not only the traumas either that you're aware of or won't face, or the cycles that you're aware of or won't face, they're kind of really revealing. Uh, and, and they transcend speech, right? That they would transcend somebody going, no, that's not me at all. It's like, now here's, here's what's going on. I could tell you how to fix it. And, and it ultimately, it's your choice to either heed the advice or to perpetuate the cycle. Exactly. And it's a, it's, I'll tell you, most people don't generally take the advice of tarot and they want to stay in perpetual pain. So a lot of my female clients will come and get a tarot reading and they're particularly like uh, set on a certain guy, right? Certain guy that they want. And the guy is rejecting them or not paying attention or standing them up. And the girl is just, I can give a reading and my earpiece to go out. I can give a reading and I use about four or five different decks so I can show the the query the same cards pulling out. You know, I could pull of the same I could pull numbers of the same identical cards and give a very negative reading if you know this will be what happens if you keep chasing this guy that keeps rejecting you. But if you choose this path, you can have a happily ever after. You can have this kind of person you, you know, you can, you'll have those dreams, but it's just not that guy. And they will continue to ask the same thing. So I'll use four different spreads. And generally, the cards are pretty identical. I mean, it just never fails. So the woman will rather ask that question, well, how can I get him to love me? How can I get him to pay attention? What can I do? And I don't work with, with women like that. So um, once, you know, once I see that pattern, I ask them to get into what's called codependent recovery because they're trauma bonded and addicted to toxic love. You don't want to ever take a person that's uh, rejecting you, right? Yeah. Or that you're finding yourself for. But some of my other clients, they do follow the advice and have broken trauma bonding, have broken um, codependency and take consecutive classes with me to learn how to speak effectively, put boundaries up, and to achieve that ultimate dream, you know, that ultimate partner, that long-lasting soulmate kind of energy. So it all depends on how deep you want to go. It's hard. This is hard work. Like healing is hard work. And, and when you come to me, your first three months, you will fight everything I tell you to do. You will make it uses for why you can't do it, you're going to be terrified and it's going to feel like shit. But if you can break through the first, there goes my goosebumps. Or if you can break through the first three months, then you're having breakthroughs instead of breakdowns. And it becomes a whole lot of fun and you get this power back and your mind clears. So you have to detox off of that. Um, it's like a drug addiction. Toxic love, it's, just, it's more addictive than heroin, to be quite honest. 
the painful detox. So this is a drug addict. You know, is a drug addict going to take advice from their counselor right away? No, they're going to make excuses. They're going to fight you. Um, you know, they're going to try to manipulate you. And uh, if you're with a professional, you know, we know, we know every excuse, we, you know, in the book. So we find ways. Especially with your background in uh, behavioral uh, psychology, right? Well, I'm not a clinical psychologist, so let's get that straight right away. I did study at the Young Institute, but I studied through a friend who was a, a professor professor at the Jungian Institute in Maine. So I have a lot of psychology knowledge just from digging into, you know, I lo- I've always loved to research. I've got a gigantic aquarium brain. I've been reading big books since I've been eight. But I'm not a clinical psychologist. I have just, um, I'm more of an advisor, I guess, to say safely. Because, and I've got certifications for life coaching, spiritual counseling, um, you know, drug addiction, suicide, grief counseling, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm technically not a licensed psychotherapist whatsoever. You know? Right. But that, that avenue is on your radar. So you're very aware of people's behavior patterns and you're very tuned into the what people do. And you're able to apply that with astrology and tarot reading and, and life coaching to help folks through these things with a greater understanding of human behavior in general. Yes, it's all based on human behavior. You know, it truly is. And we have a very broken behavioral society. You know, we have broken, broken parents raising broken children. And those broken children grow up to be broken adults. And you just perpetuate these toxic, broken relationships. Um, it's very rare that you're raised in a healthy environment. I mean, thank God it's getting better now. But, you know, we're in a collective breakdown right now. Brandon, in, in the midst of a quarantine, where we're seeing how broken society truly is. And it's been broken a long, long time. Yeah, I think uh, last year definitely shined some light on how thin the veil is between civilization and uh, just complete breakdown. Um, and do you, do you think that, I, I don't know, do you, do you think that that's something that was planned or that, do you think that the pandemic, maybe some people took advantage of that and are, are working in their own agendas? You don't have to go political here. I'm just curious about what you think. Or is it all a cosmic thing? Like it was destined to happen either way, like a big wake up call for everybody. Well, the, we've never seen astrology like this. We can, we can go back hundreds and hundreds of years. And we've never seen the same alignments in the sky of the witch trials, the plague, the civil war, Nazi Germany. Uh, and I can rattle off a ton of things all in the sky at the same time. So I believe the universe has ordered this. You know, we're out of balance here. We're out of balance on this planet. Um, and, you know, the, because the planets do run behavior and energy and all, you know, um, the the actions of people on the planet, it's just played out that way where the quote unquote elite are doing their part right to put the control. But I also bring up some very difficult topics about the collective being just as broken and damaged and narcissistic as the elite. So I think the heavens are just kind of ordered it. It's just, it's just magnetics. Our earth is out of balance. With everyone, whether you're evil or good, or people saying they're good, are just as narcissistic as the evil controllers. I, I'm living proof. I'm 55. I have been brutalized, 
chastised and punished by the collective, even more so than my abusers in many ways, Brandon. I mean, I'm not, to a degree, yeah. And it's a strain. Um, and it's uncomfortable to hear that society does not know how to communicate. Empaths, light workers, new agers, truthers, they, they might be good on paper, they might be good on keyboards, but when you put them in a dynamic um, and you're faced off, like you and your wife, right? You're faced off with each other. Um, you know, it takes great bravery to call out somebody's behavior, husband and wife, right? There's a quote by J.K. Rowling, and she, she's the Harry Potter writer. And she says, it takes great bravery to call out an enemy. So it's easy to call out an enemy, it's easy to call out some evil person, but it takes even greater bravery to call out your friend, to call out your lover, to call out your spouse, to call out your social media, to call out your family. And what you're met with is resistance, denial, um, defensiveness. And that's the problem. And it's just as narcissistically traded, not, not, uh, not a disorder, but a trait that's prominent in society. No matter how love and light you are, the light workers are, are dangerous people uh, with those narcissistic qualities. Yeah, and what I like is my wife and I are very honest and open with each other, not only with each other, but with ourselves as well. We're able to be incredibly self-deprecating, and we're not perfect, you know, no, no relationship is. But we are. We do at least have a tick in the right box. We, we lean on the right side of the scale with our communication as far as if, if something's going on, and I'm in my head too much, or she's in hers too much, or whatever, you can recognize that. And then we have a cute little thing we say to each other. We just look at each other and go, where'd you go, boo? Where'd you go? And then it's like, you know, I'm right here, and she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not here. And I'm like... Where'd you go? And she's like, oh, okay. And then we're able to open up and break down that barrier with a little bit of, you know, adoration. And it, and it works out well, not 100% of the time, but it's definitely more effective than just shutting it down completely and saying, okay, we'll just be on it. Because uh, this is a partnership. It's a team thing. And so we're, we're very important as far as our speech goes to each other. So um, what do you think then with, with all of this being ordered by the universe? And I don't necessarily disagree with the universe's uh, assumption of this or assessment of this uh, needing to be kind of a reset kind of thing. Do you think that this is the great, we're all going to be ascending to the next level of consciousness, you know, the 46 and 2 thing? Uh, do you think that it is just Aquari uh, the age of Aquarius? And I'm curious about that specifically. Uh, or is this going to be just something that happens and then we fall back into the old ways? I mean, this is our opportunity as a collective to move forward, isn't it? Um, it should be. It's, um, I don't know how, okay, so this is a difficult thing to answer. The age of Aquarius is, the last time we had four planets and two luminaries, the sun and the moon are considered, some, some consider them planets, but the last time that we had six planets in Aquarius was in 1962, when we had the age of Aquarius. Um, you know, but these cycles run, it's, it, it's so compounded in that answer, Brandon, specifically because of Saturn and Jupiter conjuncting. Saturn and Jupiter conjunct only every 200 years. So they've conjuncted from fire, um, water, earth, and then now into air. So it's every 200 years from fire and the next 200 years into water and then into earth and now into air. 
So it's an error of the error waves. We're in a technical um, kind of technology advancement. It is an awakening, but it's, um, it's on a grand scale of, I don't even know how to answer that specifically because it's not a la-la love thing. It's, it's, it's a 40-year build to start, let alone a 200-year process. So you follow each 200-year cycle when Saturn and Jupiter move. So we're in this age of Aquarius specifically now. Um, that actually began January 12th of 2020 with the preset to the reset. Um, and the reset started to be begin on December 21st, 2020, when the planets conjuncted and then started going into Aquarius. In the Vedic system, the Indian astrology, they're still in Capricorn. So they don't consider this the age of Aquarius. They're still in Earth. We're in air in the, in the Western or tropical. So basically every 200 years, it brings um, new structure as it destructures things. It brings in new awareness, new innovations as it deconstructs old. But the two fight together in the very beginning. And each of these planets, like I say, have different cycles. So, you know, um, they're built. First three years is a build for Saturn. Yeah, Mercury, 88 days. So you're working with all of these energies. And this age of Aquarius is 200 years. So everybody who's been waiting for a new Earth, we're here. Welcome. Welcome. You're seeing what's broken in society. You're seeing what's wrong with governmente, right? With your neighbors, in your family, in your home, with judiciary system. This is the awakening. This is, and it happens every 200 years. So, you know, 200 years ago, um, they were uh, pioneering, you know, coming to the, on the Mayflower, you know, for a brave new world. So, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a destructure and a restructure every 200 years. If everybody um, wants to get into that, like, golden age, I guess, where, you know, there's no evil and everything's fair and, you know, you're all working with telepathy and you're not, you don't even have to use language anymore. I mean, you've got about, <laughs> quite a while. I don't know, 6,000 6, years maybe for that one. So you're telling me you there's know. a chance, huh? We can get there eventually, just not probably on this. Well, I mean, we can already if we can, um, you know, dimensionally travel and meditation, right? You can go there anytime you want to that perfect perfect world in meditation and it is interesting on the on the different realities that we in, inhabit because it, it is there are people here who believe in this stuff who have shown that the, it actually works and it's effective and then some people that just simply don't and for them that's just their life and this is what's so beautiful about the the experience on this plane i just you know whatever you want to call it on this earth on this plane whatever is it that you you have the opportunity to kind of play whatever game you want here and that's kind of the best part about it. Now, a lot of your choices affect the global consciousness, which, you know, that's not necessarily so good if you've got big problems and, um, you know, you need to be 
dealt with, but I think that's also part of the balance and part of the uh, duality that, that exists here. So what is your um, favorite part about astrology, just in general, just your favorite, your favorite element of it? Everything. <laughs> um, I love how it's, I love when a certain aspect happens on a particular day and you can have an experience right at that moment. So like the moment um, Mars moved into Taurus, within minutes, the capital was stormed. I called it storming the cappy in cappy season. So as soon as Mars moved into Taurus, the capital got stormed. Got stormed with that Mars warlike Taurus bull bullheaded energy. Um, you know, the moment Mercury began to station and go retrograde, I had like three X's resurface. You know, so you can peg certain experiences in your life with the alignment of the planet. Damn, that's cool. You can feel like if your body hurts, like if your back is, is cracking over cracking or something, it could be like Saturn is squaring, um, you know, it's squaring parts of your chart. Maybe Saturn squaring your sun, you know, or um, a certain aspect in your chart. If you can tell, even if you break a tooth, you know, it could be Saturn squaring something in your chart. So it's, it's just, it's fascinating. It, it is fascinating. This is why we're talking about that because I love this. I, I don't know anything about it, but the more you talk about it, the more interesting it gets. And I've seen a ton of your videos. Like I said, I just sit there and watch. Um, they're, they're great. And I, like I said, I highly encourage people to go check out your YouTube. Again, it'll be linked in the show notes, but it is the spiritual badass on YouTube. Um, so let me ask you this. What's, what's the most advantageous time? If you're going to take on a new relationship, if you're going to uh, look for success in something you've been working on and waiting to launch. Let's say publishing a book or launching a new show of some sort, maybe a podcast, for instance. What is like the best time uh, to do that? Well, it would depend on your natal chart, what's called electional astrology, and then it would be based on the transits happening in the sky at the time. I'm not an expert in that yet. I um. I can tell you during a Mercury retrograde is not a good time to launch any business. Mercury retrogrades are good to retweet your business, rewrite your syllabus, reorganize, um, you know, uh, replan things and launch it after the retrograde is over and Mercury goes direct. Um, relationships. Relationships are funky. All right, 2021 is going to be a really hard year of forming healthy relationships um, because of just these alignments happening. And Venus, Venus is in a place she's extremely uncomfortable and detached in the energy. So detaching energy is hard to attach to healthy, right? Um, there are certain things, like during a Venus retrograde, a, a woman never wants to cut her hair. And it's just like, yo. How long does a, a Venus... <laughs> okay. How long does a Venus retrograde take? Um, it depends. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I can't actually answer that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I was I asking. It's okay. I mean, it's, I could Google that. I, I was just asking for the ladies out there. So if you got a little scruff going on, don't touch it. Just let it ride, right? Yeah, just wear hats. Right. So December, coming into December of this year, we're going to have a Venus retrograde. All right, ladies. And so get your hair cut before gonna, then. 
Yeah. Well, get your hair cut before. Like even with Saturn, um, the four Saturn uh, conjuncted Jupiter, you know, if you had any dental work or needed bone surgery or things like that, it would have been primed to do it 2020 rather than, um, you know, during the progression of it moving in December. So Venus retrogrades are and terrible, really. Like it's terrible to meet somebody on a Venus retrograde. You might be able to have a relationship for, you know, a little while, a couple of years, but usually Venus retrograde relationships never last. Never Damn. last. You know, and it's interesting because it sounds like it sounds like based on the natal chart thing that you said, which, again, I know nothing about um, that. It sounds like uh, your natal chart is specific to you and things that happen with the moons and planets are specific to you based on that chart. But it sounds like there's also ubiquitous things that are that affect everybody or affect everything on a conscious level. Right. Is that is that a correct assessment? Yeah. Yeah. So the outer there's outer planets, the older planets like Uranus and Pluto. Um, they run more of like a, the whole, the collective. And um, the closer planets run more of the personal things. But all of them do, in fact, affect you personally. So, it's, again, it's like it's a, it's a hard question to answer. You can't really form a, uh, a logical answer that's concise because every natal chart is different. It, I mean, you could be born on the same day, the same time, but your natal chart will be completely different. Somebody born on the West Coast versus somebody on the East Coast, you'll have completely different alignment. So there's no two natal charts. Wow. Just so even twins, like twins don't have the same because they're born a minute no, apart, right? Born, yeah, within, you know, however minutes. Of, oh, did you, guys, did you see that orb? Yes. Another orb. Okay. So this happens a lot in my videos. Damn, that's cool. Um, I've been I've been around. Well, I've seen dead. I'm like the sixth sense kid. I see dead people. They're always around me. It took me till I was in my twenties to even drive a car because I see dead people and have this kind of stuff all the time. Damn. Okay. So tell me about the orbs, and then I definitely want to go into your background. And uh, thank you for the astrology breakdown. Uh, there's so many more questions I've got, but uh, let's let's keep moving here. And we're definitely going to have you back on because I want to do some specific stuff with you at specific times of year whenever you find it valuable for us to get back together here. Uh, so what's the deal with the orbs? What does that represent? Because you hear people talk about it. What, is it, what does that represent? Um, well, for me, they're like ancestors or just spirits passing through. I mean, I'm in a big hotel in a very um, big area of psychics and mediums. So there's a lot of supernatural activity here. And uh, I'm just a, you know walking supernatural kind of person. I mean, my daughter grew up with it. All her boyfriends were experienced it. It's just as a part of life. I can see it. And, um, you know, it's, it's being supernatural is exactly that. It's super natural. It's natural to have these abilities, these skills. They're, they're not gifts. They're just built in. And some people are just much more sensitive to it than others or, um, you know, can draw in a, a certain energies more than others, you know? Yeah. And I just happen to be that way. I was, I was, uh, it just, it just always has been, it was always normal to me. It was always normal to see dead people and some scary shit. So it was, it something that when you grew up and then you realized maybe that not everybody can see uh, what you can see? Was that a, an awareness you had to come to? Because you probably just assumed everybody had the same powers, right? Or the same abilities. 
Um, no, I grew up thinking I was the only person on the planet that was damned. I mean, I thought it was a, a, a damnation. I really did. It was horrifying, terrifying, isolating. And uh, I grew up in a Roman Catholic environment. So even having negative dreams or these beings like Anubis and Bogspet and Pata coming to visit you when you're a child and you're screaming for mommy, you know, you're getting, you're getting punished for trying to explain, you know, what just happened to you as a kid, when you're, you're just a kid, you know, who do you go to? You go to the parents for safety. So I was always chastised for it. Um, you know, like I said, in the beginning of the show, punished and abused, for being punished and abused. Mm. So speaking out about anything like this was tumultuous in my era growing up. So even coming out of the psychic closet to even people in my high school, because I finally came out in high school and did the come out, like a, like a gay person would come out of the closet. It was brutal, Brandon. It was torture, bullying, bullying. So... It was not an easy life to be psychically supernatural at my age, let alone grow up in the 70s. You know, we had it real hard. These kids had it much harder. There wasn't good family dynamics back then. Um, and uh, it's, it's still a hard life. You know, it's extremely hard life. You, I mean, it, it just, it's, it's, you, you grow to adapt to it, but, you know, when you grow up with demons and ghosts and dead people and energy grids and you can't drive a car until you're in your mid-20s because you think somebody crossing the street is a real person when there's nobody there and your passenger seat thinks you're crazy. It was hard, hard life. So it's that vivid to you. You can actually see physical... All the time, yeah. My friends will even tell you what, if I'll be talking on the phone. And, um, you know, it's, it's just normal to me now. But growing up, it was terrifying. Terrifying. And more terrifying because you'd go to the adults for safety and you'd get punished for speaking about it. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. So have you ever seen... Um more modern ghosts because that's a thing that everybody talks about or spirits is that you only see them from like the 1700s you don't see like you know some 17 year old riding a skateboard across the street uh, as oh, a yeah. ghost i see them all all, all yeah all different ages, all different eras um and some are like in time loop so you'll most of the ones that you see like from civil war or certain eras are time loops they just walk in the same loop same same pattern um, but you can see, you know, some, somebody that was, uh, you know, a child crying on the side of the road, doesn't know what's happened to her. And she's a, you know, car accident victim from, you know, three days ago, you name it. And also different locations. Yeah. So like, they're just my goosebumps. <laughs> um, I say that every day too. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Um, and so like, if you go into... Um, I live in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, so we, we have some pretty famous ghost hauntings there. We have, like, Pocono ghost books and stuff. So if you go in certain restaurants that are from certain time eras, you can see, I, well, not everybody, obviously, but, um, you know, I'll see certain ghosts, like, in long, green, Victorian-style dresses because they're Victorian-style restaurants. So 
Um, but then I can I can also see you know some Harley biker in the parking lot. Damn. At the same time, you know. So. So I would think you would see a ton of ghosts because if you think about it, uh, when mankind began, however we began, there was probably, you know, not that many dead people around. You know what I mean? But now we've had billions and billions and billions of spirits cross over from this plane to the other one. So we've got probably a shitload of ghosts out there, right? Just because we've got a bunch more people that have lived and therefore died. So what what do you think uh, is the deal with the time loop thing? So I'm very curious about that. What's that all about? So science, scientists, scientists, science has proven, I think, I, I think, I don't know, around 10 years ago, they proved that there's at least 11 dimensions happening at the same time. So like, I'm in this hotel room, there could be like dinosaurs passing through, you know, at the same time, we're all in these parallel dimensions. Um, it, it's just, death is a really strange thing. You can't even answer that in a specific question. A time loop spirit is somebody that doesn't realize they're dead. They don't even realize they're in a time loop. They don't realize they're in the same loop. Um, and just, it's just, there's too, that's just too big of a, a question I can't specifically answer. Why it happens? I don't know if we will ever know why that happens, why some ghosts work in a time loop and other ghosts are here because they've been um, murdered. Um, you know, that's a very famous one that goes my goosebumps. And so, uh, you know, if somebody died young or was murdered, um, they have a message or they, you know, they can't, their spirit can't rest until there's some kind of restitution or that message comes out. Uh, it's, it's, it varies. It varies. It could be a dimensional being because that's very real. In the fringe community, you know, you know, we talk about dimensional beings, um, spider-like beings, um, AI-type beings, uh, neon beings, alien beings, um, demonic beings, you know, all different types of dimensional beings, let alone the dead ancestors. And you figure this, this planet is billions, I mean, billions of years old, billions. And, uh, you know, it runs in about 26,000 year cycle. We just came to the, the beginning of the 26,000 year cycle on January 12th last year. So, you know, we've had civilizations every 26,000 years. Imagine how many beings have been dead, dead on this earth. You know, we've got houses on top of everybody. <laughs> right. And it's almost like, what if uh, if you see a, an odd demon or a ghost that was just maybe a civilization that was here long before mankind that died and then now it's its ghost. You know what I mean? Like, what if a dimensional being is just a ghost of an old civilization that was here that's not human at all, like an extraterrestrial or something like that? There are some theories that, that aliens are demons. Um, they're called invisible terrestrial beings they were discovered by the santilli telescope in rome uh dr santilli working at the vatican built this telescope called the santilli telescope and discovered i think six different invisible terrestrial beings which are known as demons damn what kind of telescope um, was that santilli it's called the santilli telescope yeah but it was just made of like special glass or something to where it could see you know i don't know here's the veil i don't know that fact that's pretty interesting that's really cool though have you ever seen uh animal ghosts like a dog ghost or something like that all the time 
the really? time. All the time. Yeah. See, because that's something I would I would like the skill uh, just so I could see dinosaur ghosts. I think that would be cool as shit. Um, I've never seen a dinosaur ghost, never ever. But they're like they're parallel dimensions walking through. And you might get like a big gift in your house because that could be like where a big sound comes in your house or something. I'm I'm just speculating. Oh, and I'm just um, speculating too. I think that just dinosaur ghosts would be cool as shit. You know. I don't know. It's not. It's it's not easy. It's not an easy life to see see the invisible what others can. No, I would no. think it would be terrifying. I would I would not probably care for that at all. I don't think that we're really built to view those kinds of things because you're you're probably pretty dialed into a lot of things that maybe we're not supposed to be. You know, because it 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 affects the life well, that you have. I think we're all supposed to be able to access these abilities, but. You know, we're closed down off of it with predictive programming, TV, the way society makes these structures on what's correct, what's not correct, what's um, um, acceptable and what's not. I think we should. We all have. um, We all have it. You could be driving down the road, going to the store, to the supermarket, and Something pops in your consciousness that says, hey, take that left and go that side route. And your brain, your brain takes it over, takes over the claircognizance and says, oh, if I turn left there, I'm going to go five minutes out of my way. Why would I do that? And you just continue to go straight and then get in a traffic jam because there was a big pile up. So your supernatural ability told you to turn left to avoid that car accident. So now you're stuck in the traffic jam waiting for the police to come and clear the accident. And, you you know, you're two hours, three hours late for dinner because you didn't turn left. Right. But do you think that it works in the same way? Because I've had this thought as well. It's funny that you even mentioned this, that like, uh, let's say today I was in line at the grocery store um, and my wife called and said, hey, I need something, you know, and I was already in line. I was ready to go. But I was like, of course, you know, I'll just run back and get it for you. So I ran back and get it now. In the amount of time that it took, not only for me to run back and get that item, um, basically uh, change my schedule or this predetermined route that I was on, maybe I avoided something that would have either killed me or hurt me severely or something like that, like a car wreck or something like that. And, and it's, it's all of those little things, whenever they happen like that, I never get twisted about it. I'm just like, oh, maybe there's a reason that you know this delay occurred or something like that. And then, yes, just like you said, maybe if you took that turn, you would have been in that wreck. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's clairsentience, clairaudience. You can hear things uh, that other people can't hear, smell things that other people can't smell. There's warning signals. You know, your dead ancestors could protect you. I mean, there's, there's, there's just so much, so much about the supernatural. We'd have to, you know, it'd be ludicrous to think that that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's just, I, I think it would be ludicrous. I don't know. I, I know there's so many people that don't believe in ghosts or supernatural abilities or telepathy or time travel or um, phenomenon like that, you know, but. I love all uh, of it. What do you what do you think about mediums that help ghosts cross over? And what's interesting about I think that the spirit and the uh, living or the dead and the living kind of a relationship is really interesting because you will have instances to where. Spirits or ghosts or ancestors help you either um, avoid something bad or help you um, and protect you against anything. Uh, And then you've got cases to where the living have to aid the dead 
to move on as well. I think it's an interesting relationship that not enough people talk about. Okay. I, I, used, to, I used to cross ghosts over. Um, and I don't feel we have the right to. Now, I've died five times as an adult, like literally had to be resuscitated by doctors. So I've crossed over and had near-death experiences. I spent five days in a coma on life support with machines running, um, you know, and things like that. I don't think, I don't understand the afterlife. I don't have any right to send anyone anywhere. I will listen to that dead person's message. I will help clear their whatever message so they can choose where to go. It's not my right to send somebody someplace I don't even know. And I've had five near-death experiences just in my adult life. Now, I used to. Um, I'm here to do what they do for me. Um, give me messages. Help me avoid something. But they don't, they don't direct me to... Um, I mean, they, they might give you a message to, to go a certain direction, but your free will is changes in a split thing, Brandon. So it would be the same way for somebody you're talking to that's on the other side that's confused or discarnated or, um, you know, not even knowing they're dead. A lot of times that's enough where you can explain to the spirit, okay, you're, you're dead. You're not human anymore. You're, you're transcended and, and they'll magically vanish because my goosebumps talking about so it. Cool. So they know what direction to go. You yeah. know, I don't know what's happening to them. Five different near death experiences and all five were different. So I'm not anybody over. That was a question I had. I, is, I, I'd like to talk about your NDEs if you're comfortable doing so. Not about uh, what put you in the state, but what happened at the moment of your souls departing from this physical plane. So you said that five times, which that sucks, dude. I mean, in a, in a, a very, very reductive way that I can be empathetic, that, that's horrible. But uh, what happened uh, the first time? The first time uh, was in the blizzard of 1996 here on the East Coast. It was the biggest blizzard ever. It shut down um, generators of hospitals. It was that bad. So I, I, I had an ectopic pregnancy the same time I had a baby in the womb and in the tube. And the tube exploded and I lost nine pints of blood. And I went through that proverbial tunnel. You know, the very famous um, Renaissance art of the tunnel and the tunnel and you're met with your deceased loved one. Yeah. And my brother, my brother met me in the tunnel and he pushed me out and I, I wanted to go in the tunnel, but he forced me to sit on the floor of the hospital room while Dr. Savini was, you know, shocking my heart, you know, and hearing me, come on, Jolene, come on. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want, want to go back in my body. So I sat and played chess with my, what appeared to be my brother, who pushed me My earbuds are ready to die, Brandon. I didn't get a very long charge out of these suckers. Oh, uh, they're probably working overtime. All right, I can hear you. Okay. All right, so that, that was the first near-death experience, which a lot of people describe, right? They go through the tunnel, they meet their loved ones and uh, what appear to look like your loved ones. And they will have identical characteristics of your loved ones, but there's just something about it that they're, they're not, they're not your loved ones. They're just an image. Um, 
I, I really can't speculate whether they are or aren't the specific person, but they're uh, awfully close, awfully close um, representation of your loved one. And uh, so that was my my first near death experience. I lost nine pints of blood and I had to have transfusion. And um, what had happened to me was like a one in, I don't know, three million women, it happens to have a double pregnancy at the same time. So I had to have blood transfusion. And I finally, I finally went back into my body and um, went back to that doctor and told him exactly what he was doing, you know, working on me. And we sat and had lunch and I thanked him for saving my life. Um, so that was the first experience. And um, you want me to continue with my other experiences? Let me turn this other headset off. So the second experience, I was um, on a healing circuit, with some very big, 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 big names of people. And uh, I was down in Florida and there was some nefarious things going on at this conference. And several of us backed out of the conference and um, without going into details, because this, this could be dangerous for me to talk about names and exactly what happened down there. But um, <clears throat> I was in Florida and, you know, the weather in Florida, it's hot, <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> I, uh, I died of hypothermia in Florida and woke up to the EMTs uh, zapping my heart you know, with the paddles. So uh, um, that near-death experience, I met the Grim Reaper. I met death. And death faced me. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, when, when death came for me, it was kind of like when you're in sleep paralysis. I don't know if you know what that is. Sleep paralysis is when you're frozen and it feels like you're awake, but you're in a dream and you can't speak. You're frozen. And I couldn't get the words out of my mouth like that. And finally, I just finally took all of my will and screamed, I am a child of God. And um, I woke up to the EMT jump in my heart so that was the second one Damn. very different than the first one uh, there's a lot of black magic down there that event took place during a very crucial um ceremony of a very demonic force and i'm just i'm not going to get into it because it could be very dangerous to talk about those the people down there um the third near-death experience was in April of 2018, after I allowed an abuser back in my life, I had been so worn down from the last circuit I was speaking on, um, you know, character assassinated, um, destroyed by my colleagues and their cult following. And I was suffering insomnia and I had allowed an ex back in. And um, when you're involved in domestic violence and psychological manipulation and and uh, trauma like that, I was very weakened and um, I don't really remember much. But my abuser at the time um, watched me for three days 
slowly stop breathing. The only thing I could really remember, I'm not a drinker, but I went out and I bought two bottles of, because I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. And I went out and bought two bottles of wine. And apparently I drank two bottles of wine and I downed a, a bottle of pills. I was so desperate and so psychologically manipulated out of uh, truth, out of choice, out of my words, out of my feelings and um, not sleeping, hallucinating. So I ended up in a coma. Um, It was amazing how I got saved. If it wasn't for a girlfriend insisting she come to my home, why the person didn't want her there, was trying to prevent her from coming. He ended up fleeing as she pulled in and broke the door down and called 911. And by that time, they were doing CPR on me until the EMT came. And then I was in a coma. I was in a coma for five days. Jesus. And um, I was on life support. I had breathing machines. And um, I, uh, I was in between two worlds. A world beneath me that was pastel neon color and gridded and gatekeepers and traps. And I was in this black void and this world above me that was almost identical to the one below me. But it was flowing like the toroidal. Do you ever see that toroidal? Looks like a donut. So it was beautiful above me. But below me was fucked up. But I was in the black void and I was just at the zero and the nine, I call it the the no thing, the nothing, the no thing. I was just no thing. And um, I had a DNR order because I had, I was really sick. You know, when you, when you live in domestic violence, your, your physiology um, deteriorates. So I had a DNR. Uh, I had already had several heart attacks and things like that. And I was suffering from seizures and all kinds of physical ailments from psychological manipulation and and trauma abuse. And, um, you know, so I had this DNR order and the, the hospital staff told my daughter, you know, you have to make the choice. And she chose to execute my DNR. And, um, You know, this is what I was told, like as soon as they turned off the machines and pulled the tube from my throat, I woke up and shocked, shocked the whole staff. Um, So I shouldn't have even lived through that. I was I was brain dead. I was on machines and uh, I miraculously woke up and uh, 12 days 12 days I saw in neon, neon colors. And I actually have pictures on my Facebook I drew of the new creatures that I, that I see to this day, new creatures, um, invisible terrestrial beings. As a result of that near-death experience, you, you yeah. were able to perceive them now? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, and they're terrifying. You know, they're like creepy crawler things that go on walls and they sort of... Um, 
spider octopus things that go in the back of people's necks and latch on. It's just, I have them drawn on my Facebook post, but um, on Facebook um, picture albums. Yeah. Which I will but, link, I'll link, I'll link to your Facebook in the show notes as yeah. well. On the 12th day, I was laying in bed with my cat and it was like a big paddle, like, cause I've had the paddles on my, heart and especially in florida it was like somebody took paddles and jump-started my heart and even my cat kind of jumped like we both jumped on the bed and then i saw normal again i wasn't seeing a neon anymore so i had that documented and um the the last two near-death experiences i i have no recollection not none so I was non-existent. I can't tell you what happened on any side of death. I had adrenal failure in August of 2018 from the post-traumatic stress disorder from 20 years of abuse. And, um, and uh, your, your organs shut down, you know, when you're in trauma. Although you don't know it, you don't know it's called PTSD. You don't really even realize it's so abusive because you're just, you're a shell of a person. You've been talked out of your rights, your feelings, your voice, your choice, your identity, and your, you know, it's, it's almost like you're, you're, you learned it as a kid. You're, you learn it as a kid. So you don't know it's really, um, you know what something's wrong, but you don't you, you don't realize that you're the factor there that needs to get out. And uh, the the PTSD was so bad. It was complex by that time because the I mean, when you're gaslit for 20 years, you you break down. So um, my organs failed. I had renal and uh, well, it's called adrenal failure. I had renal failure and liver failure, and I died. And I wasn't found for four days. I was found laying on the floor in the bathroom, and all the blood pooled on the left side of my body. And I had the creatinine levels of a dead person. So uh, my, my partner at the time, my person, the mate, he refused to take me to the hospital. My daughter came and then took me and they were shocked that I was even awake to have these creatinine levels of a dead man. And then I died at the hospital and I woke up in another hospital and um, it took I, I mean, I woke up in a rehabilitation hospital because I was you know, paralyzed on the left side of my body from all the blood pooling and the adrenal and liver and kidney failure and. and you know, I um, it was intense. I was in rehabilitation to just get the feeling back in my leg. I didn't know if I was going to lose my left foot or my left hand for, for many, many, many months. And at that time, I was being forced out of my home and, um, you know, going through terrible things in my marriage at the time, you know, forced out of my home and found out I was written off of a deed and it just was a nightmare. So I don't have any recollection of that near death experience. It just was 
I wasn't there anymore. There was no consciousness, nothing. And um, so I, I can't really tell you that, you know, there's four different experiences just crossing over. And my fifth near-death experience was the same as the, the last one. This just zero, nothing, nothing, no consciousness, no, nothing to tell you. I didn't exist. It's interesting that you've had such variant uh, experiences with near-death. Number one, that you've had so damn many of them. Number two, uh, that you're still with us. I'm glad. Uh, and then number three, uh, that you've had such a, such a, such a difference. And, you know, this is uh, the thing about the near-death experience that fascinates me, is how uh, you'll, you'll get a few different interpretations. And it's almost like whatever happens to you after death, you choose. Or, you know, it's a, it's a choice as far as even an unconscious one until you realize that you're dead and then you figure it out. It may be something to where what you expect to happen after death as far as seeing loved ones, as far as the tunnel of light. These things will occur because you manifest them on some level in this extra-dimensional reality once you're... Once you're Spirit has left this vessel, just this this ride that we're riding on right now, this avatar, and we get into the other side. But I mean, you ran the gamut. You ran. You had the the tunnel with the um with the loved one. You had the Grim Reaper, which sounds fucking terrifying. You had the vision of the the donut shaped environment, the tortoise, the tortoise with um heaven and hell above you. And then the last stage is what atheists believe that nothing happens after you die. And that it just stops and that it just lights out. So what, what do you think uh, occurs? What do you think this is all about? I mean, what do, you, do you think that there is a heaven and a hell? Do you think that there's a price to be paid in an afterlife for decisions that you made in life? And another, another point to that question would be if spirits can affect us in life and make us not only uh, they can ride on us and give us bad energy or, or they can suck your spirit a little bit, you know, and they can actually perturb or, or make you do things uh, unconsciously, I, is it then maybe cosmically fair that there is a good or a bad place to go and that you don't just return to source if so many things are out of your control that determine your afterlife? You know, there's a couple of theories I have. Like, I, I believe it's what, it, I, one of my theories is, what are your beliefs at the time it happens? You know, what are those beliefs? Do you believe in heaven or hell? Do you believe in that tunnel? Um, how how were you raised? So when you have your first near-death experience, I was raised by Roman Catholics. And I had always been believed that you, you know, go through a tunnel. So did I have the tunnel experience? Because that was my belief. Um, the one in Florida, did I have that experience? Because there was such satanic shit going on down there that I met the fucking Grim Reaper. Um, you know, the third one, um, you know, I was pretty much a, a spiritual badass in the gnosis level, the knowledge level of understanding. Uh, how do I put it? Like understanding. Not really completely. We'll never completely understand the death and life cycle of a human being, but somewhat understanding the Ouroboros of the completion. And I had been so psychologically tortured that I truly I wanted to die. I wanted to go to the zero and the nine. And there I was in between the two worlds in a zero and the nine with the consciousness intact. Um, uh, and the fourth and the fifth one, uh, it, it just, they just happened so fast. There was just no, no, uh, pre 
thinking to it. So was that my experience because there was no pre-thinking that I, you know, about anything that I had no experience? I mean, I'm certainly a believer in the soul and the spirit and afterlives and dimensions, but I was at a place of of not existing. So I don't know how to answer that, but in the um in Gnosticism, the the ancients believed that um, that this planet, like the Earth, is um, uh, it's like uh, what I I think I wrote something down. Let me see if I wrote something down about that. Let me see. Hold on a second. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. They believed that um, Sophia, Earth, she is the the sister of the Christos. So the all, the creator, created the Christos and Sophia. And Sophia came boring through the universe and she wanted to create for herself. So she created almost um, an, an what did I write? It, sanity was banished from the Pistis Sophia and the Demiurge was created. So they, like the ancients, believed that Earth is hell. Like you have to unlock hell to get out. And they, that's why they use astrology to unlock the keys of key Sophia. And, you know, it's, there's so many different theories. I don't know what to think. I mean, I, I have literally lived 55 years of hell. I continue to live an extraordinarily difficult life. Um, it's not that it's not a happy life. I live a badass life. I have more control over it now, but I do believe that, you know, in a, a lot of it is, um, you know, there's so many theories, Brandon. There's theories that were in a matrix. There's theories that were computer games. There's theories that were in pods, you know, hooked up to to play these games for outside players. It's I can't even speculate. And I've been dead five times. I will never be able to answer that question, regardless of how many fucking books I read, how many ancient scriptures I read. And I've been reading ancient scribes since I've been eight, eight, you know, since I've started reading Plato at eight. I don't know how to answer that. I really don't. And I don't think anybody knows for sure. I just think that um, I was just curious about what what your thoughts on it or what you you could speculate. I mean, this show, we speculate wildly. You're welcome to. I love the simulated reality theory and I can't go one episode without talking about it. So the fact you brought it up is just consistent with the show. So thank you. Um, yeah. But it also seems like you're you know, you you've had so many, again, near death experiences and you've had such different experiences each time. That it, it would throw you for a loop. You it, Even if you had like two that were the same or, or very similar, you know, um, but most people only have one near-death experience before the actual one, you know, if, if, if at all, if they have a near-death experience at all. So the fact you've had so many and the fact that they have been different is what's so interesting about this. You know what I mean? Um, it's horrible what happened to you. And I think that you do live a, a solid life of struggle, um, an exceptional life, but an exceptional life of ex- exceptional struggle. And I hate that for you uh, on a humanitarian level, um, because I just want 
everybody's lives to be great. I do think, though, on a deep level, um, we kind of choose our paths at some point, you know, in, in some way, and that uh, you've chosen a life of struggle so that you can come out of it more superiorly later. And maybe well, so I could teach it, so I could teach others exactly. how to navigate through chaos, exactly. how to, ex, you know, expand past it, expand past that reality, right? And bypass a lot of the fuckery that I had to learn myself. So if I was met with fuckery 10 years ago and similar today, I'm going to handle that fuckery a whole lot better than I did 10 years ago. So I can teach my clients and my supporting audience how to do it as well. Um, and I have, I have a, my biggest theory that I live with right now um, is that if you can live a life of being so real, so authentic, standing ethics, morals, virtues, values, and stand by that, um, not the Ten Commandments, so to speak, but somewhat like a commandment thing, right? Um, but valor, virtue, ethics, morality. And you can stand in that blade of truth, regardless of how you're mistreated, bullied, chastised, punished, ridiculed, outcasted. That's where I believe you not only transcend as a human into an evolutionary spiritual badass, but that's where I believe you can transcend out of the fucking matrix. Yeah. That's my theory. I love it. I think that that's great. I think that that's perfect. And I love to, in one of your videos, um, you said you're, you turn fuckery into luckery. And I thought that yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You got such great sayings. Like you have so many cool sayings. I love that you call everybody goddesses, gods and goddesses. I love just the positivity that you bring to it. And you've got just such a unique uh, vernacular and a unique way of talking about stuff. And I think it's great. I think it's charming. But these were all the things I've been faulted on, crushed over, told I was wrong, told it's embarrassing, told I shouldn't do this, told I should do that. It's it's was a difficult thing when you're raised being broken all the time for your greatness. You don't believe they're it's greatness. So the very first video I put out, because this is new to me doing videos, you know, it's the very first time I listened to my own YouTube and watched myself. I broke down bawling. I had to pick up the phone and call a girlfriend and say, oh, my God, do I really sound that smart? Am I really funny like that? Or am I, yes. is this, am I having like, is that really me? Or am I, do I have a split personality? And she just started laughing and she said, that's who you've always been. Yeah. For the 20 years I've known you, welcome to you. And um, all the things that I've been punished for, blamed, ridiculed. You know, they're like, I'm proud of who I am. You should be. I'm, I love who I am. You should be. Fuck I those people. I love being funny and making these funny words. And It's so great. Know. Give me give me a couple of your favorites. I, I love the uh, fuckery and luckery. And I don't know if you just have any organically on you because they do flow out very naturally. It's like a scripted thing that you have, but they just happen. And your, your, your videos are great. They're a lot of fun. You're hilarious. And you do bring a lot of joy. I mean, I'm telling you, my wife and I watch them. We think that you're wonderful. So it's, I think... It's like it's all improv, yeah. to be quite honest. I don't plan any of it. You know, if I get a good 
good moment, like keep Uranus and your Mars in check. I mean, I've 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 never been told I'm funny before. You're you very know? funny. Well, you're hearing so, it now and you're very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I coined the term fuckery a long, 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 long time ago. And now it's like a common word. I, start, I should do memes or something and copyright them with these these strange, uh, strange terminologies. You, you should know? totally do it. Just just uh, have these things spread out all over the place. Just make them because you're hilarious. You've got uh, like I said, just guys go watch her videos. She is fantastic. And again, a few more friends I, actually have. Like when and they I love teach you. a class or something, if I teach tyrant talking tactics or something, <laughs> you know, I teach to use funny terms when when you're learning to talk, let's say, with your daughter or something, you're trying to break the generations of toxic abuse. So we, you know, the empath and the narcissist share identical traits. So um, I've come up with terms terms like titty twister, you know, if somebody's <laughs> gaslighting or, you know, twisting words. Um, we have red flag, white flag, I mean, black flag. You know, we use these funny, funny things. So it's not so traumatizing to heal through and think you're perpetually broken when you're just a human being that's been raised in a tyrannical rule set society that's based on quieting the truth, quieting emotions, you know, quieting anger, quieting, talking about uncomfortable things. Like I said in the beginning, you can easily call out an enemy, but you can't so easily call out a friend or a parent or a lover or a child or, you know, your BFF. You know, this is why I think we have uh, people, and I, I say this quite a bit, actually, you need to surround yourself with good people. And what I mean by that is you need to surround yourself with people that are honest with you and they will honestly tell you what they think. I think that that's a very valuable thing. I've got uh, four brothers. And so uh, we give each other shit and break each other's balls all the time. We will call each other out on dumb shit that we do. And it's good. It's for the benefit. We're not breaking each other down. It's just a way of highlighting something that is that you're doing that it, it's fucking stupid, let's be honest. And uh, you need to surround yourselves with good friends that say, dude, that sucks. You know, don't do that. Why are you doing that? And I don't think, I, I think a lot of people are scared to do that. Like you said, it's, very, it's a lot of, it, a lot of bravery in it. We don't think about it because it's just the way we grew up. It's just we just give each other shit and we make each other well, better the human, the human being is naturally defensive and they've been taught it's wrong to have something pointed out and most people will deny it. So the first thing is defensiveness and the second is denial. The third is to manipulate your words. The fourth is to cast the blame on the other person for calling out the fault. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was raised with three other siblings and my two siblings are, have died. So they, they were the ones I could talk to. And my other sibling is, you know, I call it Darvo, D-A-R-V-O, direct and reverse the victim to the offender. So I can't speak to her about her bad behavior because she'll follow those formulas of denying, you know, defensiveness, denying, twisting the words and throwing the blame back on me instead of her behavior. So I wasn't raised in healthy and the two healthy people that I was raised are, are dead. You know, and um, a lot of families, Brandon, you know, everybody I work with, they don't have healthy families like you do. They don't have that healthy dynamic with parents or with siblings. So they're, they've learned that behavior. It's a learned helplessness. They're, they're not learned and skilled 
in healthy relationships. You can take um, you can take a healthy person and they may not know how to communicate. They may have that natural defensiveness to it. And a lot a lot of people do. I did, too. Sure. I mean, we all do. Yeah. So. When you can learn to defrag off that fuse of defensiveness and just listen, even if it's uncomfortable, you can have healthy only if they can communicate effectively, if they can take responsibility, if they can humble. Again, virtues, morals, ethics, values. I got volumes on my bookshelf of ethics and virtue, you know, books on ethics, books on virtues, books on etiquette. Um, and my natal chart is just filled with, you know, things of why that's so important to me, speaking truth and communicating effectively. I've been trying to communicate effectively since I've been eight years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trying to communicate effectively with not so healthy people and even the ones that are loving and kind good natured, they will follow those identical formulas to the unhealthy people because they do not know how to communicate effectively. Mm, absolutely. Um, so what, what is some uh, advice that you've got for folks out there listening? Um, if they've just trying to, trying to figure out their next move, they're just some great general advice that you come across. It's pretty standard. It's pretty, it's something that you feel everybody should know, but probably not a lot of people do. Well, um, the first is when, well, you're human. You're a human being that's allowed to feel this negative stuff, anger, rage, frustration. You're allowed to be angry at mistreatment. You're allowed to express anger and not feel guilty over it. So I always say, don't feel bad for feeling bad. It's you're human. You're allowed to feel bad. You're allowed to talk about how bad you feel because society has taught you that that's bad for feeling bad. Shame on you for feeling resentment. Shame on you. So don't feel bad for feeling bad would be the first, first thing. Um, the second is to acknowledge that you're human first and foremost. We're here on the planet in these human bodies. Be human and, and chase being safe as human as you are. Feel safe as your human self, regardless of what stage of life you're in, whether you're a baby awakening, you know, a newbie awakening, whether you're fucked up, whether you have bad love, whether whatever, feel safe being you feeling feel safe being you that the progression of healing is a lifetime thing. So never be perfected So feel safe being you, regardless of what people think of you would be the third piece. Feel safe being you, regardless of people's, I use an acronym called CRAPLEBE, C-R-A-P-A-L-B. <laughs> okay. Feel safe being you, regardless of people's criticism towards you, what people's rejection, people's abandoning you, people punishing you, people attacking you, people lying to you or lying about you, and people blaming you. Feel safe being you, regardless of the crap will be. And um, the last piece of advice I would say is you can distrust anything outside of you. 
You know, you can just trust how messed up the world is, the evil elite control, the narcissism, um, you know, the fuckery. You can distrust all of that. But the moment you distrust your beautiful, badass self, that's the lie. That's a damn lie. See, I love it. I love this. You're just so great. <laughs> You're just you are awesome. too. <laughs> Thank you. I'm humble. You are so cool. You are so much fun. There was a time I couldn't take a compliment. Oh, three short years, a little less than three short years ago. I didn't know how to take a compliment. Well, you're on the wrong show. That would be a good piece of advice. If somebody gives you a compliment, just say thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're, yes. And you're on the wrong show if you don't want compliments, because I I think you're wonderful. Thank you. Thank Uh, you, Brandon. And definitely we will be doing this again. So uh, we we had some other things that you and I had talked about talking about, but I think we should save it. I think that we have had an awesome episode. And I think that the information that we've gotten here is not only insightful, and it's going to definitely make people want to research this further. And I I think that the other things that we had planned on, I'm just going to look forward to in a future episode, if you'll if you'll uh, take the invite. I would be honored. I'm so honored. And uh, I'm excited to to grow with you and learn, learn with you and connect and network with you. I'm honored. Thank you for embracing me. That's new to me. So I've been outcasted for so long. Uh, it's, it's very unique that people embrace me. Well, no longer. So thank yeah, you for embracing me. You've only then, and all you did was wait, wait that long, fifty-five years to uh, be embraced and loved, because now you are. And we just want to thank well, you. Well, to so feel much. safe being myself, finally. You know? That's it, you know. Finally. And um, that's that's kind of something that I figured out about myself a long time ago. If I know one thing about myself, that's my job here on this plane. It's to give people back to themselves. I'm not saying I did that in your case. I'm just saying that that is I know my true calling is to just give people back to themselves. Just let them realize it's all just a ride. It's it's light. You know, have fun with it. It's your life. You're supposed to be living it up and experiencing it don't live it the way somebody else tells you to there that's their their thing and just you do your thing you know you do you boo boo that's a new thing you should start saying you, you, you know do what you, boo-boo. i can i give a bit the biggest piece of advice please chase your dreams yeah follow chase your star your dreams yeah and don't be afraid to dream big massive massive dreams you know there's a cool saying that i heard a long time ago and it's not that your goals are too high and you're missing them it's that they're too low and you're hitting them I know that's some deep shit, isn't it? Yeah. It's not. It's not mine, but I like it. So it's basically like just, just dream big, dream massive. I mean, what's stopping you? You're the only obstacle in your way. Because what is that saying? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So just think you mm-hmm. can. Go for it. That is so cool. Well, uh, please, um, everybody, message JoJo for me and uh, tell her how wonderful and sweet she is. Now that she's accepting uh, compliments in her inbox, then you guys can <laughs> do that. Come visit me on the Spiritual Badass, my YouTube channel, and I'm starting to form other uh, media outlets of Patreon, Telegram, Vimeo, and I could certainly, if anybody out there is looking for some tech work, hit me up on Facebook. And if you want an appointment with me for a two-hour tarot or astrology or some mentor so you too can become a spiritual badass from traumatized to triumphant, broken to brilliant rags to riches, or fearful to motherfucking fears. I teach tyrant talking tactics, fraud finding facts, taking the gas out of gaslighting, and how to catch a thief. I I would love to uh, come come work with me. Hit me up through Facebook or, or join my YouTube channel and subscribe. 
Absolutely. And I will be linking both of those in the show notes. You guys, please go check her out. She is absolutely fantastic. And we are so grateful to have you on. You, you're just Thanks awesome. So you are a spiritual badass. You're a badass also, but a spiritual badass too. You're a badass too. Like your <laughs> listening audience, you're all badasses, gods and goddesses. I welcome you into the spiritual badass family. Thanks for embracing me as your spiritual badass family too, brother Brandon. Absolutely. I had, I had fun. Absolutely. Me too. So thank you. So don't hang up, but um, I just wanted to thank you again uh, for coming on and we will uh, talk to you again soon. I'm sure. Okay. Thank that you. sounds wonderful. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Expanding Reality. That was Jojo Seabacher. All the ways that you can find her will be in the show notes down there. Uh, if you want to find the show, we are on um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then you can email the show at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Any questions or comments, please direct them there. Uh, thank you all so much for listening and you guys be good to one another. Mm-hmm.